Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. Welcome to February 2020. So, being inspired by the It's Superman novel I that I reviewed last episode, I had gotten Superman Dawnbreaker for Christmas of... 2019 so over a year ago and i thought well i had a really good time reading it superman and i had this other superman novel so let's read that just roll right from it superman to um superman dawnbreaker and so i did that and that book came out in 2019 written by Matt De La Pena, which I'm not familiar with him other than this book. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but because I, I briefly mentioned this book, but I was skeptical because it's a it was a, it's a YA young adult novel and I knew that it was set during the young days of like Clark in high school. And I just, for some reason, I came into it biased, and I and I thought I wasn't going to like it. I thought this is going to be sort of written for not a not 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 my demographic. Let's say that, like where I praised it, Superman last month for being a mature book for adults, and I don't. Well, I was going to say, and I don't mean that graphically, but actually, I do. It Superman has a couple of graphic scenes and some sex and. Um, it's not a novel for children. And so this book just sort of gave me a vibe that I, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, even though I, and I just couldn't quite put my finger on it, just that it wasn't going to be for like the tweens and just wasn't, it wasn't going to appeal to me. So here is the, here is the, um, the, the synopsis, the quick synopsis. His power is beyond imagining. That's what it says on the, I believe, inside front cover. Or let me see. Let me let me look. Um, actually, on the back cover here, it says, When the dawn breaks, a hero rises. And so let's actually, before I dive into, um, and I'm, I'm not going to do a, um, any sort of lengthy synopsis. This is, I'm just going to read what's on the uh, dust jacket here. Because it's. I, I have a hard cover. I don't know if the book's out in soft cover now. But it's got the cover says Superman Dawnbreaker. It's part of the DC Icon series, and there's other books in this series not written by the same author. Well, and I say series, but I don't think they're connected, other than other than just being part of this line of books. In the same way that like an Elseworlds, you know, Elseworlds aren't connected to each other, but they're part of the Elseworlds line. Like I don't think these books are connected to each other. But there's a Catwoman one, and there's a Bruce Wayne one, and um. I think there's one other one too and so on this book it has sort of a, a young Clark Kent in his kind of shadowy and there's a cornfield and some lightning coming down from the sky it looks kind of cool and it has an embossed Superman symbol on the front where it's textured you can rub your hand over it so on the back it says, when the dawn breaks, a hero rises. Oh, yes, there is a, there's a Wonder Woman DC icons on the back cover here. It shows a Wonder Woman, a Batman, and a Catwoman. I, and I bet, I think they're all take place in the, in their teen years, though. So I'm, I'm going to read the dust jacket. 
And I am going to spoil, um, just because that's that's my nature. I want to talk about the book, so I'm going to spoil. But um, you know, spoiler: the book is worth reading. So um, you should pick it up if you if you if if you see it anywhere, or um, if you want to get it through Amazon, Kindle, or whatnot. I'm a I think I mentioned this in the previous show or one of the. But I'm a physical when it comes to comics. I can read physical or, or digital. They don't. It it doesn't bother me to read digital at all. I don't prefer digital necessarily but i don't mind digital with books i need that tactile feeling like i do not like reading uh uh digital books all right so here dust jacket his power is beyond imagining clark kent has always been faster stronger better than everyone around him but he wasn't raised to show off and drawing attention to himself could be dangerous plus it's not like he's earned his powers yet but with power comes a price Lately, it's becoming more difficult to hold back and keep his heroics in the shadows. When Clark follows the sound of a girl crying, he comes across Gloria Alvarez and learns that a dark secret lurks in Smallville. Turns out Clark's not the only one hiding a, hiding something. Teaming up with his best friend, Lana Lang, he throws himself into the pursuit of the truth and what evil lies below the surface of his small town and what will it cost Clark to face the truth about his past as he steps into the light to become the future Man of Steel. Before he can save the world, he must save Smallville. So there you have it. There's the synopsis of this book. And I'm going to get this out of the way uh, right away. I quite thoroughly enjoyed this book. I still think it Superman is a better book, a more mature book, with better, th- with, with better themes and... Um, more interesting sort of time period in the 1930s. This book is set now, and that actually is its own interesting dynamic because you have Clark in high school with cell phones and dealing with the world of today, social media and cell phones and cell phones and all the kids in school have cell phones, and um, it is firmly set in today. I don't know if the... I forget if the book actually gives a year. It probably doesn't, but... I think we're to imagine that it is set right now. The book came out in 2019. We're to imagine that it is set in 2019. And this is the fourth book in the DC Icon series. I I remember when I would see these books, I would see them at Costco and things. There was a Batman and Wonder Woman and Catwoman. I'm like, when is there going to be a Superman one? So finally there was. So I was was pretty excited when I I got the book um, for, for Christmas. But... I was still, there was something about reading the back cover that just made me think this is, this is going to be a, just a, just a young adult novel that isn't, wasn't written for my demographic, you know, a 34 year old, 34 year old adult. Um, And so, so this book really, and it's funny because I've been doing a rewatch of Smallville for the last like four years on Hulu just when going through it really slowly, just not on purpose. I just don't do it. Nobody else in the house wants to watch it. So I never, I, I, I used to watch it while I'm the person who, in my house who does the dishes. So I used to watch Smallville while I was doing dishes and stuff. And so, but lately I've been working from home for the, you know, forever since uh, last March for COVID. And so, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I've just like been like, I'm working here from home. I'm home, not home alone. My wife's here. Uh, four days of the week. She goes into work on Thursdays, uh, but she's also working from home four days out of the week. But she usually works upstairs in our office, and I've been working in our basement. 
And so I've been throughout, you know, working from home, just putting on movies and stuff to have in the background. And I'm like, a couple weeks ago, it just, I was, I just had the, you know, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me before. I'm like, you know, just pound through Smallville while I'm doing work. And so the reason I'm bringing up Smallville is because this book really sort of feels like a Smallville season one, two-ish, early in Smallville's run. Um, it really has that feel. Um, and it won me over. And it, it it has it's it has that Smallville feel, and that's a good thing. I think this book works really well, actually, and I have to give it all due credit because I was at least in my mind dogging on it. For and I think it works really well. The story is really interesting, um, and I like the characterization of Clark. I think Clark right from page one. I sort of liked I liked Clark. I mentioned that with its Superman last um episode that i sort of had to warm up to the clark in that book he just was a little standoffish to me at first and i had to warm but this clark was very personable and he's a likable character right from the beginning and it's it's quite enjoyable and um from that standpoint and we get lana lang is his best friend and we get lex luther in this book I'm not going to get too much into Lex, but we have a young Lex, and so I've, um, nobody can get away. I've always been more of a fan of Clark and Lex meeting each other, you know, when Clark debuts in Metropolis. and But I, I don't mind. I like to see, like, it's interesting to see when, when you know, different authors and, and uh, different comic book writers, and they, they, they do their take on Clark meeting um, Lex in Smallville, be it the Silver Age, uh, um, Birthright, whatever it might be, whatever the the that storyline happens to be where Clark and Lex meet in Smallville, and so we we get Lex here, and he's sort of a, the the uh, um, you know to use an old like term from the eighties, like he's like a young a yuppie from Smallville coming to or y- young yuppie from um, you know from Metropolis who's come to Smallville, and we get introduced. There's some new characters, um, sort of, I, there's this character there that is sort of analogous to, um, Lionel Luther, but it's not the Luthers. There's this rich, this rich, um, mogul who comes into Smallville and is driving sort of the plot and these nefarious things that are happening in the background. I'm not going to get into super specifics on it, um, but we but we get some new characters, a couple of brothers that are Clark's age um, and a little bit older ones. Because Lex is is about young, he's he's about young twenties in this novel, so about like twenty two or so. I I, I think it I think it mentions twenty two specifically. Um, but so we get Lex and we get a whole conspiracy and um, and Clark. This is an origin story. Uh, as a lot of stories that are centered around Clark being in high school are. Um, it's an origin story, and we get Clark at the start of the novel. He knows he's adopted, but he doesn't, and he has powers at the beginning. He can't fly. I mean, this really is a lot like Smallville, but in his powers, he sort of develops each each of his individual powers. He's really strong at the start of the book, but then by the end of the book, he's full on Superman. Which is in and of itself is interesting. Um, I wasn't expecting that. So spoiler, but I'm not going to spoil everything about the book. But he gets at the end of the book, you know, about the last quarter of the book, he gets his 
costume. And in this version, Ma Maquette makes it, and he gets he's full on Superboy. And I thought for almost the whole novel that it was going to end with him not having the suit yet, which I was fine with because I was enjoying the story, and it was sort of re realistic. A realistic sort of story with these sort of fantastical elements of Clark's superheroics sprinkled in. Um, and then it went full on. Clark gets his costume. And this is going to sound really weird coming from a Superman fan. But I sort of felt like when the book had him get his costume, I was like, is it jumping? Has it? Is it jumping the shark? Was it something sort of realistic, this teen? I think what it was is because I was really able to relate to the story up until that point, and then now I had to grapple with, no, this is like a, you know, this is this is based on a comic book. Here we have a character in a costume that would never happen in real life. And prior to that, it, um, it was Clark, and he could do fantastical things, but it still felt, it felt more grounded. And I have to admit, and I almost feel a little guilty about it because I love Superman, but I felt like the book, it, it almost felt like it jumped the shark when Clark got his costume and that, but that feeling only lasted for you know, not a long portion of the book. Um, and so then towards like the, like the last, like last eighth or, um, we'll say, um, just approximating, but like the last eighth, I really was digging what was happening in Clark in costume and, you know, going up against a, a you know, a chopper and, um, all kinds of super heroics happening with Clark in costume. And I really enjoyed it. But I had spent so much of the book thinking that this was like a set in Smallville and really felt like I got Smallville vibes from this. But although I, I didn't picture Tom Welling as Superman in this or as Clark in this, I pictured um, a young Clark with glasses and, uh, if, and that's sort of what I got. If, if you Google the cover or actually look in the show notes, I should have a cover I should, I should have the cover of this book in the show notes. And I really was sort of picturing um, sort of what you see in the cover with, although maybe a little bit stockier, but not too stock. Like, but this Clark played football and that was a whole thing. Um, Cause by the time when, when the book starts, he had left the football team cause he was developing his powers and he didn't think it was appropriate to play football anymore. Um, this book, this is going to be a little controversial, but this book is enjoyable, and I'm going to start, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with, I am a, I am, uh, uh, politically, I'm fairly center. Like, I'm definitely not right, and I'm definitely not left, in my opinion. Some people might, some people might say otherwise, but I personally feel like I'm in the center on a lot of issues, uh, but this book really has a democratic um and i hate to say this because this, this sounds derogatory but it's not like a liberal agenda and that's not a bad thing but it is sort of an in-your-face thing um with the issues that the book is dealing with the cultural issues the cultural clashes and the the sort of um and I don't need to go into all the specifics, but there is there is definitely race that comes up, and it plays a, actually a fairly big role in the plot, and um, and there's just a lot of 
it sprinkled around. Well, not sprinkled. It's really in your face. But I didn't mind it. And I thought, you know, if if you're reading this, you're a youngster. Like, if you are reading this as part as the targeted demographic for this book, like, you know, as a teenage age, then it probably is good to learn some of these lessons because it really tries to go out of its way to make sure that um, we we recognize that it's uh, that everybody of that people of color really struggle and they're often marginalized and this book goes into that a lot and it plays a fairly significant role is is uh issues around race and um i just wasn't expecting that but it was it was fine i'm just not used to it really um in it's such an in-your-face way uh, but I, but I have to remember the audio and, and it's not subtle and I don't think the I think the writing could be stronger here where it's, and also part of me was like, I've been to a, like this Smallville, which is set in Kansas is much more ethnically diverse than, cause I grew I, I didn't grow up in Kansas, but my mom did. And I went to Kansas. I spent a lot of time of, in Kansas in my youth. And at least I don't picture these uh, super small town like Smallville in uh, um, being as ethnically diverse um, and good for them. I mean, good for good for this author to want to show that representation. I did question how realistic it was. I mean, I grew up. Um, I was just mentioning growing up and visiting Kansas, but I grew up in a super small town here in Michigan and I hate to say it because it sounds it's horrible, but there was there was no representation. We had, I believe, one African American um, guy in my high school, and we had there was some other there was there, we had some Latinos, but not very much. But this town, this Smallville, is like New York City, not in its size, but in its. Uh, diversity and good and i think it's good it just i just questioned a little bit of the authenticity there um it seemed like an 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 agenda was definitely being pushed which i didn't mind because i think there's some good there are definitely some good messages to take away from this book but i think that came at the cost of a little bit of um being realistic um but and the other thing that was um, along these lines, I don't want to dwell on it, on any of this because I enjoyed the book and I think this was all additive and I think it had really good messaging, but I, I, I did some of the things just didn't come across as authentic to me. It was this author's idea of pushing some agenda, some of these um, and I, and I don't use SJW social justice warrior as a, a pejorative because I think it's good to strive for social justice. We all want social justice, but we also know what it means when people say you're an SJW in the media, from the media side of things, and this book has an SJW feel to it um, at the expense of some realism. And uh, But I think, uh, again, some great messages. The only One of the things that is a little bothersome is that it takes the stance that um white white caucasians are in power which is true and to be not to be feared but they're always pressing down and i don't think that's always the case i think this i don't want to get so political uh i mean that is the case sometimes but the smallville in this book really grapples with um 
And there's a whole pl plot about a, uh, a law that's being passed uh, regarding um, stop and, 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 and search and whether or not it should be okay to stop and search for no reason or not. And um, Clark has a very specific conversation with um, one of his Latino fr um, friends that he, uh, one of the, uh, the Latino girls that he befriends and romantically gets involved with in this book. And she flat out says that because of his skin color, he was sort of the problem or he was part of the problem. And it just made me feel a little uncomfortable because while I agree that we have, we have lots of issues in this country, but there are, you know, I'm a Caucasian male and I don't necessarily like the idea that we're part of the problem just because of the race we are. Like I try to strive in my life to be considerate and compassionate and fair to everyone and, uh, and to get those and to be as not as bigoted or as, as much as I can be. And that's why those are the values that I try to instill in my children. And there is that segment of the, the, um, the left that really feels like the, the Caucasians of the country are what's wrong with this country. I don't think that's true. Now there are on the, on the flip side, there are a lot of Caucasians who are problematic. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of whites and we, we spent a lot of the summer of 2020 grappling with these, these things as a country. And really, I mean, not that we haven't in the past, but I mean, it's sort of really felt like it came to a head in the summer of 2020. Now, all that said, I think this book has great messages and it, um, it's, it's truly, truly would be, uh, has good messages for a teenager, but as an adult, I'm sort of seeing the agenda that the author is pushing and just thinking about those things in a, in a di dynamic way and how it's relating to the story and how it's relating, how it's trying to mirror our real life and where the, that maybe causes some flaws in the storyline, um, or at least to me, but I think it works. I, I, I think it works fairly well and I don't want to come across as bashing it for those reasons, because again, for the young folk who are reading, I mean, if this has, it has great messages. Um, so, but I just wanted to bring that up. I'm being truthful. I, I want to be truthful on this podcast. And so I probably could have done with a little bit less of it because that was a huge agenda of this book, but that's, I think, I think it's fine. I don't have, I, I'm not, I don't knock the book for it. Um, but I just wanted to point it out and, uh, and it's, it's, um, very, very sort of in your face, a lot of points, but also it's just sort of a theme that runs throughout the book. So that out of the way, um, I think this book does a fantastic job of getting into Clark's head when he's learning a new power, how it makes him feel, how it makes his eyes feel when he's using his heat vision for the first, for one of the first times. And we often see it portrayed in movies or TV shows or Smallville or whatever. And we see it depicted and we maybe we see some anguish when, when Clark is learning to use his heat vision in Smallville and some of that embarrassment because it, uh, it was coming on due to um, sort of his hormones and um, being, being for lack of a better term, sexually turned on. 
he, you know, that's what sort of the first episode of Smallville sort of had had Clark dealing with that. And this book, because it's a because it's a prose novel, because it's a prose novel, it really gets into like everything is is coming at this from language and using words and, and using words to describe visuals, but also we really get into people's heads. I mean, that's why that's where novels are awesome. Um, because you can really get into a person's head and get their inner monologue. And so we get, I, I'll, I'll be honest, this is some of the most, um, descriptive of an inner monologue and Clark's feelings and, and his thoughts when he's developing powers as I've ever seen before or I've ever read or was, um, part of any of the, uh, any other like uh, origin that I've seen when he's learning powers, so I, th- I think this did a great job. Um, another, I just have to point out one scene, which was a be- this beautiful scene where Clark, the, um, Gloria Alv- Alvarez is his Latino girlfriend. He who he befriends and becomes his his main squeeze in the book. And early on, when they're when their friendships budding, she mentions that she would like to ice skate, and there's. There's nowhere to ice skate around and Clark's learning his powers and sort of when he gets angry at a certain point and he's confused and he had, he's just sort of learned about his alien heritage and he's, he's struggling with, he's struggling with, with that, um, mentally he's grappling with, with, with these learning his origins and he sort of bolts out of the Kent farmhouse and, he just in one gust, like a one, he freezes an entire lake with his freeze breath. And what's funny is I was reading this, but I still wasn't picking up on where it was going. So then he goes over to Gloria's house and he brings her to the frozen lake and they have this beautiful scene ice skating on this lake that is in the, I believe it's the middle of summer and Gloria's confused as why there's a frozen lake, but she's, she's thrilled and Clark and they, and Clark makes her some ice skates um by bending metal and things and it's really a sweet scene and what a what innovation in terms of I've ne- I've read so much superman stuff and I've never actually seen something quite like that and it touched me I thought and that's you know everything from this book um that's one of the scenes like that scene is going to stay with me for a long time like it was just touching and sweet and they have their first kiss out there um on the ice and it was a beautiful scene and so i give this book a lot of credit i give matt de De la pena um some he some very big props for for that because it just sort of sort of was just a special moment and something that using his powers to do something special for somebody else and what a sweet and person it, it made Clark out to be, and it just made Gloria's day, and it was an awesome, awesome scene. So, sort of wrapping this up, I think that It's Superman was a better book, but this book is worth reading. I think it's a really well-done book. Um, I think they're setting up a sequel with, uh, we'll see if they have any sequels. They're setting up a sequel with some Lex, some Lex stuff. Cause Lex was not the antagonist in this book. Far from it. He was actually very helpful. I mean, this really was sort of Smallville season one and two where, um, Lex is the, the friend, the, um, 
he's sort of a showboat and show show offy kind of guy here. Um, I mean, I guess he is in Smallville too, uh, with Michael Rosenbaum's portrayal. But I think that um, we'll see if there's a sequel. They've been putting out um, actual novelization or actual um, comic book adaptations of these DC icons book. I believe. I think maybe all three of the other ones, the Wonder Woman, the Catwoman, and the Batman one, all have comic book adaptations. I should have looked that up before I started recording, but I know at least two of those do, or I believe. Um, so hopefully, if if um, they do a comic book adaptation of the Superman, of Superman Dawnbreaker, then I would... Oh, well, first of all, if they do that, I would buy that book, or I would buy that graphic novel for sure. Um... It's called Superman Dawnbreaker, in case you've listened this far, and you're like, why is it called Superman Dawnbreaker? It's called Superman Dawnbreaker because that's sort of a uh, Project Dawn is a sort of a secret project that was going on by the antagonists who are driving the that portion of the plot, um, the main the main like uh, people, the missing people. I, I mentioned that people are disappearing in Smallville when I read the description, so that's Project Dawn. And so, spoiler: it's not a, Project Dawn does not have good intentions. Good intentions. So Clark needs to be the Dawn Breaker. And so this book is called Superman Dawn Breaker. So I think that's all I have to say about that. Um, pick it up, pick it up for sure. Uh, I highly if if you do and you read it, let me know your thoughts. Let me know. I want to hear. Write in. Write in. Uh, blue gold podcast at gmail.com you can write in so let's move on to the booster gold portion of the show Sorry, Huey Lewis. I got to go back. I'm not um, quite done with Superman. Um, the I forgot, and I I played I, I prematurely played the Lewis uh, because I forgot that I I wanted to talk about the other Superman, uh, the big Superman thing that I read during July or July during January, and I that was Superboy, a celebration of 75 years. So. DC has been putting out these hardcovers, I believe, all the way back since um, Superman's 75th anniversary a, no, a, no, a number of years ago that um, they've been putting out every, you know, whenever a hero, one of their big heroes hits 75 years of publication history, they put out these nice these nice hardcover collections. Picture, if, if, if you haven't seen one, if you've looked up the booster gold hardcovers that i've been touting um and been doing my read through for volume one booster gold the big fall and um future lost uh picture that size it's about that size that size of a collection and so they put out a superboy collection last year and i read that and i breezed through it and i really i I highly recommend it it has a really cool cover by jim lee I know Jim Lee is quite divisive in terms of his art, but I'm a I like Jim Lee uh, unabashedly. 
Um, I don't actually read a ton of his. I don't read a ton of his um, uh, stuff with his art, just because I feel like the stories that I want to read, he doesn't. Um, there hasn't been a ton. Um, I'm trying to remember the last like big storyline I read. Maybe it was some New Fifty Two stuff uh, with Jim Lee interiors. I'm not sure, but this collection has a really awesome cover. Check out. It's going to be in the show notes for this show. So check out the show notes, and it's got a really cool cover with Superboy and cryptos on the cover um so the so the book's about 300 and some 300 and some pages 300 and change i believe or maybe it's under 400 i'm fairly certain um but this book goes it's pretty cool because it goes through the different incarnations of superboy so you have the book's pretty much divided into what four or five sections four sections um you have the original Superboy, Superman when he was a boy, Superboy, um, Golden Age and Silver Age. And then we get up to, we have some stuff covering Superboy Prime, then Connell, Connor, Reign of the Superman, Superboy, um, introducing the, the Reign of the Superman storyline, 93. And then it ends with some stories covering John Kent. So this is sort of, a different. I, I know there's been a few of the collections that do this, like if you get the Green Lantern one or the Flash one, where there's been legacy characters where the name has moved on and it's not the original um, person who has the, the, the moniker of that title anymore. But this is the first of the 75-year of collections that I have where it's like this, because we have the Batman one, Superman one, Wonder Woman one, um, and the Shazam one. And those all those are all characters where Shazam has been the same person throughout, um, and so there's the, but this is the first collection that we've gotten in this in the 75 years collection uh, where the character has shifted. There's been different Superboys throughout the the publication history, and I think this book does a really good job of covering those different different eras. The we have. Um, the origins of Superboy, Superboy's first comic, and then we have, um, and then you meet you you get the first issue with Lana Lang, and you get the, um, then you move on, and, oh, and you get first Crypto, and then um, you get a lot. Then it moves into a section which I was not really a huge fan of though, and that was the that was the section with the Legion. The Legion of Superheroes played a pretty big role. I mean, I know it played a pretty, a pretty big role because Superboy in the throughout the 60s and 70s was involved with the Legion a lot. And because of that, we get a big section. But you, there's like two or three stories here, or three or four. And that was the biggest slog to get through in this book. Um, the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes wasn't too bad. Too bad to get through. But then when Superboy actually joined the Legion, it just reinforced the idea that I am just not a Legion. I am just not a Legion of Superheroes fan. I'm just not. And so then, but that section wasn't huge. The stories with Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, but it was the toughest to get through. I I did sort of have to push push through that stuff. But then you get... um, the DC Comics Presents 87 with Superboy Prime's introduction. 
And then a really sort of interesting choice that I don't know if I would have made. So they wanted to just give you a flavor of Superboy Prime. And he's been mostly a villain. I mean, he had his appearance in DC Comics Presents in in 87 and a little role in in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then he's been the villain starting, you know, from Infinite Crisis since he's 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 been a, he's been a bad guy. So you get his first the issue with his first appearance and then you get Infinite Crisis number 6. I don't think it's the best. No, I agree that they should. I, I I definitely think that they should have an issue, at least one, where he's the bad guy because that's his role in the DC universe now. I mean, he, he doesn't really have that much of a role right now anyways, but just in general, that's his role. And But Infinite Crisis 6, just even within Infinite Crisis, I, I think Infinite Crisis 7 would have been a better, a, a better introduction. Infinite Crisis Six is weird because it it's the issue where Connell, um, su- the Superboy from the uh, Death of Superman, um, that that Superboy he dies in this issue, but we're not even up to the point where Superboy has been introduced because after the Superboy Prime section of of this hardcover, this collection, then you get three or four stories of. Um, Connell being introduced, and you get um, Ed, Ed, Adventures 501. But in this collection, you get his death before you actually get him, and it's sort of weird that way. I probably would have put in Infinite Crisis number seven, um, or maybe something from Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. I don't know. Um, I just wouldn't have. Infinite Crisis six just isn't, I don't think, the best issue, even if you just want to show the evil Superboy Prime. Um, and then we get into, as I mentioned, we get into some some, some Superboy, Connell stuff. What's kind of cool is I had never read, read the actual issue where Superman gives him the monarch, the, the name Connell. Um, up, 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 up until that point, he didn't have a name. He was just Superboy. And so Superman, like that was a kind of a touching issue there. It was kind of... Superboy um, goes back to Krypton, quote unquote. It's like a Superman uses VR essentially to uh, have Superboy experience Krypton. And so after Superboy, then oh, and you get some of the and and it does a pretty good job of giving you a little bit of um, like even within Connell's sections, you get some of the stuff from the you get his first appearance, and then you get. Um, the issue where he gets his name and then you get some of the stuff where, you know, you, you get some of the stuff where he's in the black shirt and jeans when actually the programming, when his programming from Lex Luthor gets activated in the teen Titans by Jeff Johns run. Um, and that was a really good run by the way. I, I should go back and re reread that sometime, but we get that. Um, and then you get, then you get, um, an issue of Bendis's uh, run of Young Justice that sort of tells where Connor's been ever since we last time we saw him and uh, being in Gemworld and and sort of that that Bendis stuff and and I'm glad that that was included because I read the first couple issues of Young Justice by Bendis and i was not into it just like i wasn't into bendis's superman run after a while or action comics run so even though i was interested in having the original connor uh kent connell back 
I, and I was interested in where he's been and how Bendis was going to explain that. Uh, I just wasn't a fan of Young Justice, and so I dropped it like after two issues. And so I think this was issue number three or whatever. It was like the very next issue after I dropped it, but you get some history of sort of where Superboy has been, and I appreciated that. Um, so if I were to rank the, the Superboys here, in, if I were to rank them in terms of my favorite talent down to least, I would go Connor, Superboy the original, Su- Superman as a as a boy, I, I, I guess you'd say, and then Jonathan Kent, and then Superboy Prime. Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I did my rankings before I talked about John Kent. So the last two or three issues of the book are dealing with Jonathan Kent, the Superboy that was introduced after um, Convergence, and so Superman's actual son. And I have to say that I think I really, really enjoyed Jonathan Kent. Um, I read all of Peter Tomasi's run, and it was going on concurrently with Dan Jurgens, which, you know, this might be blasphemy, but, well, first of all, those Rebirth, the the Rebirth run by uh, the Rebirth issues of Superman uh, uh, done by Peter Tomasi, and then Dan Jurgens on Action Comics. Those books were fantastic. Um, and so this might be blasphemy, but I thought the Superman with Peter Tomasi writing was even better than Dan Jurgens' run on Action Comics because I fell in love with Jonathan Kent and the whole family dynamic. I mean, part of it might have been just it felt so refreshing to have Superman back after the new 52 Superman died and that whole kerfluffle... Um, and I mean, I'm, maybe I'll have an episode just discussing my thoughts on the new 52 Superman and whatnot, but it felt, it was very refreshing in 2016 to have the Superman back, our Superman, quote unquote. And, and, you know, they had to jump through some hoops to sort of explain how he's on the new 52, like in the, you know, how he's in the new 52 and, and whatnot. And you know, he has a son now and, and it was awesome to see Superman as a father and I loved the age of John in that Superman series, being 10 years old. Spoiler, I'm not a fan of aging him up. It's it's basically trying to get him out of the way so he can have his own adventures, and Superman can have his adventures, but I feel like we are really losing out on seeing Superman as a father. But I guess we got that. We got that for a solid two years in Peter Tomasi's run, even more so than in Dan Jurgen's run. It was fantastic seeing Superman as a father and seeing John being a young boy and, you know, getting into, you know, mischief that young boys do, but also being becoming a hero. And I still remember when he was learning to use his heat vision and he actually accidentally vaporizes a cat and he's traumatized by that. And so this so I'm getting a little off topic because I'm talking about Jonathan Kent in general. But in this collection, we get the issue where he's dubbed Superboy. And we get then we get a the two, a two issue team up where the Super Sons where Jonathan and Damian Wayne team up. Now all three of these issues are fine, and they're they're pretty good. But having read the run, there was better issues to sort of showcase um, Jonathan Kent, and and these were fine. I just the issue where he gets dubbed Superboy, he's not in it all that much, to be honest, and so. Um, and then the issues where he's teaming up with 
Robin, um, Damian Wayne, it's a team up. So of course people joke about how you can't have anything Superman related without Batman. But I sort of blow that though, that criticism off usually, but here it's true. I mean, we had to have Batman, um, and the issues that they picked, they had a lot of issues they could have picked and they picked the ones where he teams up where Superboy teams up with, with Robin for the first time. And it's an interesting dynamic, the differences between Damian Wayne and, and Jonathan Kent, but I just would have picked maybe some different issues. And I'll be honest, unfortunately, I didn't go back and look at the series. And so I don't know, I can't sit here and say, well, I would have picked issue X or, you know, issue Y from, from the Tomasi run, but I would have probably picked something different. Um, but I loved J those issues of Jonathan Kennan and I loathe him being a teenager. Uh, not, not, in, not just on principle, but just the way it was actually handled. I mean, I guess because we just got such nice scenes of Superman actually needing to be a father. He doesn't need to be a father anymore. And what I mean by that is when your son is, is grown up for the most part and not living with you, your responsibilities as a parent are greatly diminished. And I, and so John was in, is I believe still in the, in the comics. He's in the future with the Legion and Superman's in the present. So he doesn't really have to deal with this. You know, he's, 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 he has a son, but he's not needing to be a father on a day to day basis. Um, and that's what was awesome about Tomasi's run in particular was we definitely got that. We got that family dynamic. They lived on the farm. I was even bummed when they moved to Metropolis because I felt like it really had something special living living on the farm and Clark Lois and, and John living on the farm. I thought that was a really special time. And so I'm, I'm off topic. I should do a Jonathan Kent episode of this show. <laughs> so, and I played Huey Lewis quite a while ago. So let's talk about, um, I'm going to do a little, I'm, I'm going to talk about Booster Gold volume one, issue number 11, but I'm going to do a little bit of complaining first. So I've finished, even though I'm only reviewing on this show, I've only got up to issue 11 in what I'm talking about. I recently have finished reading my my read-through of all of volume one up through issue 25. And I am going to complain just for a couple minutes about the last couple issues. Issues 24 and 25, which are basically the Millennium crossover. Um, and... To give DC credit, we got the um, some we got Millennium coverage and some Millennium stuff in the 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 hardcover to help give us context to what's going on in Booster Gold number twenty four and and Booster Gold number twenty five. Um, but I just have to say, what a shame it was that what they did what what it just you can tell that this tie in with Booster and, and Millennium was just creatively just creatively um, m missing all heart. It just had nothing. Like you can tell ed editorial mandated to Dan Jurgens that he that Booster is going to be part of this crossover because it just it just feels tacked on. It does not it just doesn't feel right. The characterizations aren't right and definitely the uh, what they do to Dirk Davis. Dirk was an awesome Dirk was well, I, I don't know if I'd say awesome, but Dirk was a really good supporting character throughout Volume One, along with Trixie and Jack Sue and 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 whatnot. And we and 
and we came to care about Dirk as part of the supporting cast. And then these last couple issues, they have to make um, it. Dan, um, it's revealed that Dirk Davis is a manhunter, and I will be covering these in my normal, my normal once I get there as I'm progressing through and reviewing them for this show. But I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about these issues later on. But I just wanted to get it. I just wanted to rant a little bit now that how much it bugged me the, the um, what they did to Dirk Davis here and making him a manhunter. He causes a booster to gold to lose his fortune, and he just becomes a bad guy in a sleazeball bad guy, even and a manhunter. And it just doesn't reek of authenticity. It doesn't have that verisimilitude, um, you know, to steal from from Richard Donner. It just doesn't have the from the verisimilitude. It doesn't have internal consistency with the storyline. The 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 um. Dirk that we've come to know. I mean, I'm going to be talking about in Booster Gold 11. Dan Jurgens went, he gave, he gave Dirk a daughter and he, and he made us care about him. And yeah, he was sort of the, uh, you know, the, the agent who was only, you know, out to make money and whatnot, but he was still a good person in general who had a daughter and, you know, he would hit on and he'd make some passes at Trixie and whatnot. But, Maybe he wasn't always cooth, um, cooth or, um, but here he just is, becomes an out and out bad. He's, he's just revealed to be a manhunter and just a bad guy. And he, he causes, he causes booster to lose his fortune. And I, I just, I just do don't like it. The tie in every, the millennium stuff, which just was not handled well. I don't think. Um, and I'll talk. I'll talk more about it, you know, whenever, whenever I get to those issues, it's, it'll, it'll be a while, um, you know, if I, at the pace that I'm covering volume one, so it'll be a while, but I just wanted to just, to just say how much I was not a fan, especially issue 25 of Booster Gold volume one, 24 was kind of fun because you have this sort of like, um, well, I don't want to go into it too much, but you got um, the mansion is sort of um, Booster's mansion is sort of um, attacking him. Uh, the, all all the defenses to help keep them safe in the mansion have been turned on them until they're turning on Booster and everything, and that's Dirk's doing. And I just was not a fan of this crossover and the Millennium, especially the even though I appreciate it, the pages that were put into the pages that were put into. Um, the collection we get like all of issue seven um I, I think it was issue seven but it's still the millennium storyline is still pretty incoherent <laughs> they gave us what they had to to get they, they gave us the booster pieces but the millennium storyline i mean it's i'm should i go i mean could i read millennium to uh to sort of flesh out the storyline yes but does anything that i read here make me want to read millennium no it seems like a horrible story it just doesn't and it has no lasting effect nothing is affected by um millennium it's not like and it has no cultural um long longevity in the comic book world um i mean you have those big milestone things that happen some big big crossovers i mean obviously crisis on infinite earths and zero hour and and uh and and legends even i feel like is still some of sort of talked about in a, in a good light. I mean, the legends is actually a really good example because it's, it's still, I still talked about 
you'll it crops up and it comes up every now and then and podcasts cover it and things but millennium is just sort of forgotten and it's just a shame that the last couple issues of booster gold couldn't even deal with his own internal story wherever dan would have taken the story just in those last couple issues we get this crossover that just doesn't just doesn't work as well. It's not interesting. They do they they ruin characters that we've liked throughout. I mean, I liked Dirk, and his characterization is just ruined. Um, and also, I want to say I read I went and read Extreme Justice number six, the Extreme Justice series that followed Justice League International, and this is where we get um, Dirk Davis actually makes his last appearance in um, so he you don't see him for a long time years like uh, um volume Booster gold volume two ends in 87 or whatever it was and you don't see dirk again until i believe 96 1996 um i think it's 96 with uh with extreme justice number six and booster learns the um and this is all sort of post death of superman and booster's in a totally different um totally different uh, costume after his stuff was destroyed during Death of Superman and the his there's been a lot that's happened to Booster um, up until the point where where we find him in Extreme Justice but I just want to give a quick and I'll review this issue at a later point because um, it, it deserves a review but I just want to shout out and just talk about it now real quick where we see Dirk again and he's just still unlikable sleazeball um, who's no remorse for stealing Booster's money Booster finds out where he's at and where he's been where he's been living and he tracks him down and the, um, and I should leave some of the details out for when I review the issue, but the, the, um, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth with how Dirk's, you know, quote unquote legacy. He isn't a character who's got enough of a, who was around long enough to really quote unquote have a legacy, but he was a really likable character for a long time, I think in volume one. And then we get, this sort of millennium garbage at the end. And then um, the next time we see him again, he's just a sleazeball who's no remorse for doing what he did to Booster's life. And it just sort of is a bummer. It sort of bums me out uh, for the end of <laughs> volume one. So with that, let's discuss Booster Gold volume one number 11 all right for booster gold 11 i wrote the synopsis shame on you internet there's no synopsis for me to blatantly steal anywhere i had to write my own for shame for shame for shame all right so synopsis shockwave a villain last seen in blue devil number two is broken out of prison by the thousand meanwhile booster is is meeting with breisler upset that they are now selling the booster mobile model to the public. While Dirk is brooding about his daughter and Trixie being kidnapped by the thousand, when Trixie's aunt shows up looking for her. While at Star Labs, Jack Sue is developing a super-powered costume based on magnetism that looks very much like, that has uh, very reminiscent of Booster's costume with the big star. Shockwave's, Shockwave arrives at Rylu. I I, I sorry, I'm, I'm gonna interject into my synopsis here for a second. I don't know how to pronounce the towers um, that uh, where Booster's offices were. Rylu, it's probably I, I think it's French, and I'm not able to pronounce it correctly. But um, 
while they um, he shows Shockwave arrives at Rilu Towers, Booster and Shockwave battle while the director forces Trixie to watch. The director is trying to get Trixie to give up on Booster, which she does. To to give up info on Booster, which she does. Booster and Shockwave's battle results in Rilu Towers being destroyed. Dirk tries to help Booster fight Shockwave and wraps a garden hose around his neck before being thrown off. Booster cracks Shockwave's armor and using the garden hose to fill the costume to the point of bursting. Booster Dirk lets Booster know that the 1000 has his daughter and Trixie, and the issue ends with the director projecting a giant image of himself to Booster, letting him know that he has an hour to save Trixie. And Booster proclaims, I'll be there, and only one of us is getting out alive. Walking out alive, I think, is what it was. I think I wrote it down incorrectly. Um, so this is number 11. It's continuing the ramp-up to the climax of the Thousand uh, plot, uh, which ends, it wraps up next um, issue, issue 12, and that will pretty much be the end of the Thousand in Booster Gold Volume 1. And I was, I'm going to give a little bit of a tease. I think the second half of Booster Gold, issues 13 through 25, are good, with the exception of the Millennium issues that I spoke about earlier. But I really do think the Thousand battle um, that sort of dominates the first half of issues 1 through 12 is the best uh, that Volume 1 gets. And there's some gems in the second half of Volume 1, but I think the the battle in the um, of wills between Booster and the director of the Thousand um, is the is um, probably the best that Volume One gets, and so we're right in the thick of it. Where we are right in the thick issue eleven of that sort of that sort of um, showdown, either physically or uh, through through um, surrogates. Uh, the Thousand is using. We've seen robots in the past, and now we're seeing Shockwave, which I mentioned. I I wrote it in the synopsis that um shockwave a villain last seen in blue devil number two i only wrote that because it's in the little editor's note in the comic i've never seen this um this villain before i've never and i've never haven't read any issues of blue devil ever so for me this is my introduction to this villain um this villain shockwave so let's talk about the cover the cover is pretty cool it's a uh advertisement for uh the breister the 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 breisler booster mobile and we have Booster on the cover looking all Don Johnson-y in the 1980s. And we got the, you get the Breisler mobile, the Booster mobile being driven in the background. And it's kind of a, just a cool, slick cover. It doesn't really depict any of the battles. I mean, it might have been more dynamic to have a fight with uh, the, a cover depicting the fight between Shockwave and Booster. But I think this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of cover that... I, I like it, and, and and it might make somebody pick it up off the stands. I'm always trying to imagine what somebody off who's seeing this on the stands, uh, brand new, if it, you know, if it's going to entice them to pick it up or, or um. And I and I I think this would, and you might wonder, well, what's going on? It's not a fight or anything on the front. Like, uh, um, on the other hand, it could do the opposite, where somebody could look at it and go, oh, it's boring. Like, what is this, just this hero standing here, and this car driving in the background, and so it could do the opposite. Um, where uh, as, as a fight, something something big and 
and uh, reflective of what's going on in the issue. Because this is this cover is reflective of what's going on in an issue. Only if you like once you read the issue, it just has to do with that little Breisler subplot that Booster's upset that they're that they're marketing this car to the public where he wants to be. He sort of wants to have something exclusive uh, to him, and he's upset that it's sort of being mass produced. And it makes it a little bit less special, um, but I don't. I I personally don't mind the cover at all. And it's got um, the text. Now you can drive Booster Gold power, and the Booster Gold is in that phrase is the Booster Gold of the logo. So above the logo, it says now you can drive, and then you have Booster Gold the logo power. It's a catchy. It's a catchy cover. I think personally. Um, why this is maybe I'm did this synopsis after I've read this issue a couple of weeks ago. And so I have maybe I missed this plot point or maybe it's I don't think it's explained, though. Like, I don't know why. Um, and maybe if I had read Blue Devil uh, number two, I would have learned this. But why is Shockwave skin white? Like Shockwave is sort of a, a stocky, short, stocky kind of a I mean, he, he's kind of fat but more stockyish of a of, of a guy of a villain and but his skin is just of a is like a chalk white and i don't understand why that is um his costume's cool shockwave's costume is cool it's kind of cheesy at the same time um which, which i feel like i've said this before when i'm doing these reviews of these of the 80s is the cool design. oh i think i mentioned it with the director um of the thousand um senator ballard or his director's costume is i think a cool design but it's very 80s and very kind of cheesy but i like it um and the same same goes with shockwave i really i really like shockwave's um costume and his his uh his it him kind of looks like a transformer kind of it kind of reminds me of a transformer, um, obviously with a human face, but I like Shockwave. I, um, as far as I know, this is the only appearance that I'm either he doesn't show up again in Volume One, and I don't think he shows up again, at least uh, with Booster Gold. Um, as far as I'm aware, maybe in some of the JLI um, stuff that I haven't read. Um, and I and I always so one thing about the art is the art in this Jurgens nails it for the most part. Again, I feel like I'm a broken record when I'm talking about that, but I got to call a spade a spade when I, when I see it. And there's on page 10. And what I like is that this um, trade includes the, um, the page numbers that were printed in, in the actual comic. So you have the number, the page number for this collection at the bottom. That's a running total that goes up to, you know, for, for this, for this volume goes up through, like uh, the 300 page, uh, up above 300 pages. But then you also get the uh, page number from the actual issue. So I, I like that. So I, I can refer to that. Um, but on page 10, so page 10 of the actual issue. So if you were looking at the comic, page 10, it Jurgens does not, something is up with Booster's face. He just doesn't look right. Like he's off model. It, so I'm, I always uh, praise the art, so I wanted to nitpick here a little bit uh, about Booster's face. You know, how dare the creator of the title uh, get the face wrong? <laughs> I'm joking. You know, I can't draw a stick figure to save my life, so who am I to say? But the the face on that page is not uh, Jurgen's best, in my opinion, and it might have to do a little bit with the haircut. Like uh, Booster, I believe, is still sporting the uh, 
his his short hair here um and it's it so i i think part of it is that but just the way the face is drawn is not very not very well done on page 10 i think um it's it's nice that boosters finally filled in so after the fight with after the fight with shockwave Dirk fills Booster in on what's been what's actually going on with his daughter and with Trixie. Booster's upset at Dirk, um, appropriately so, keeping keeping that serious information that they've been kidnapped that they've been kidnapped from him. Um, I think it's funny that Shockwave was defeated by filling up his uh, his costume to the point of exploding with water, like you know you. You're just like a big balloon or something, uh, but his costume looks like it's made of metal. Um, but it just fills and fills until the, the point of bursting. It's 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 funny, and I I like that page a lot. It's it's more comedic, like it's kind of silly, but the you have these three panels of Shockwave sort of realizing, hey, it's getting wet in here, and hmm, what's going on? And then he's um he's like, oh, this is a like funny sort of a pee joke i think well he's like well this is embarrassing like it's, his costume is getting wet and then all of a sudden boom, it just explodes and you see him in his big boxer shorts um it's funny and then th so I, I mentioned the conflict with the thousand is reaching a fever pitch and jurgens knows the audience is ready for the finale and it even you know at the end of the issue it says you know, next month the conclusion as if we had to tell you so I'm looking forward to reviewing that with you guys and talking about that with you guys um, next next episode, if that's what I choose to cover. Because I, I never know if I'm going to cover that or not, or if the muse is something else is going to strike me. I mean, spoiler, that I mentioned earlier, I'm doing my watch through of Smallville, and I really kicked it into high gear. I mean, I took you know four, four years or whatever to get up to season eight, um, and then over the last two weeks, I've watched all of season eight just about almost season nine and then i'll start season 10 soon and so season 10 has uh the booster episode so by the time i it's time to record another episode of this show i might be doing the booster episode which which would be fun talking about uh booster's one and only live action appearance that would be that would be fun so we'll see but either way when when i get to to issue 12 uh it'll be It'll be good. Plus, a, a little um, heads up. I'm finishing. I know I did the episode of last year, or um, talking about uh, the first half of the weekly series 52 and boosters, specifically boosters' role in 52. And so now I took a long break. I don't know why. I just like read that first half of the um, series and then recorded the episode. And then I didn't get back to the second half. I'm just now getting back to the second half of. 52 so i'm reading through that so i'll also be talking on that on a future episode you have that to look forward to and i don't know what i'm going to talk about superman related for the next the next topic um uh, maybe smallville since i'm since i am going to be finishing smallville fairly soon um i'm looking forward to so let's just talk a little bit about um and I've considered maybe just making this a segment that I do at the beginning of the show, talking about not Superman, because we don't need to find out where Superman's appearing, but just sort of talking about uh, Booster's appearances and what I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, one thing I didn't mention was I missed picking up the DC Mary multiverse. Um, and it's well after Christmas now. It's February, fe February 4th, as I recorded this, 8.26 p.m. Uh, and... But back in the late December, 
I read the DC Mary multiverse because I was reading uh, reviews. Uh, I was reading the review of it. I don't read a review of everything on the Superman homepage. I just happened to be reading. I'm not sure why, because I usually don't read reviews for um, books that I had no interest in picking up or anything. Uh, and I skipped. And so, but I was reading the review on Superman homepage for D DC's Mary multiverse. And lo and behold, I had no idea there was a booster gold story in that. And so I like had to, you know, quickly get that issue. And um, I, I read it digitally because our local comic book shop, they were out. They didn't have any more. And so I have I don't have that in physical. Uh, but there was a Booster Gold story. It was not too... I mean, it was okay. Um, I'm not going to do a, a review of it. Um, but it was... So if you haven't... Um, or if you didn't even know about it, because I didn't know. It wasn't listed in the previews at all. Um, oh, well, the issue was listed in previews, but Booster having a story was not listed in the previews. DC, here's a little trick for you. If you want people to pick up a book, list if there's a guest star in it who's a... I, because I'll tell you what I do, people. When I'm when DC releases their previews, um, I usually get what's coming out. I'll look at the Superman homepage, sort of compiles all of the Superman-related content from a given month's previews. Uh, but for... Um, I usually will just go to their previews uh, page uh, and... Just do a, a control F, a find, and look in the page, and I'll just do a, and I'll look for booster. I'll just do a keyword search in previews and look for the word booster, and see if booster is making any appearances, um, and, and he calls by name. And that's how I learned, you know, that he was going to be in Harley Quinn and whatnot. I mean, it saves time versus scrolling through DC's entire. I mean, not that it takes that long, and I usually end up doing it after the fact later, anyways. But at least when previews are first released for a given month, it's always, you know, look for the keyword booster. Is booster appearing anywhere? Well, he wasn't listed at all for this um, DC Mary multiverse special. And I think Superman homepage was covering it because there was a bizarro story or whatever in there. But there was a booster story in there and you would have got my money. Uh, I order my comics through DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. And... Um, and I would, you know, I would have ordered it, but now I missed out on it. I could, I'm probably checking it out on eBay, but I don't really want to pay more than cover price for it. Um, but DC, come on, if you would, like, especially things like that, where it's like, I mean, I, I mentioned it was like either last episode or the episode before I talked about DC's cybernetic summer, where there was the really fun Booster Gold and Blue Beetle story um, that I talked about. And, I mean, there's only like 10 pages long, but... You know that was listed in the previews as having a booster. Go booster gold was part of the story, and but they didn't list that for the DC Mary uh, multiverse. Uh, so that's some. That was a recent booster gold appearance. Of course, I'm still waiting. Um, I'm the DC, uh, Generation Shattered and Generations Forged. Those two issues. Um, I'm looking forward to those. Although it's going to be another month before I can read it because the Generations Forged I think comes out at the end of February and I like to just wait like I'm I'm I basically even if I buy single issues on things now I'm a try like you know waiting for the trade quote unquote even with single issues and so I'm not going to read Generations Shattered which is out until I can read the second part Generations Forged and we'll see where that goes um what it does and then there's um DC's Infinite Frontiers I think it's called and there's going to be the Infinite Frontier number zero. Booster Gold is on the cover of that. 
So he's got to have some sort of a role in that. Uh, who knows? Maybe it spins out of what's going on with Generations. But um, I think I want to do that. I think I'm going to start trying, as long as I remember, uh, trying to talk about upcoming Booster Gold issues that have been announced. Um, that, yeah, I think there's just the Generations um, stuff right now. There's a rumor. Oh, and well, there's the Gold Beetle. Um, if some of you don't know, Google around. Um, you'll find images of in the future. Um, there is apparently, and it, the, she's made a cameo in, I'm not sure what issue. I think it was Suicide Squad, I think, maybe. Um, but she's going to be debuted um, officially, and I believe is Flash. I'm not sure which. I think I think it's 729. I'm not sure, um, but in the future, there's a character who's going. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how far in the future, but there's going to be a character that's an amalgam of, um, at, at least from a costume perspective, of, of um, fl of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, and that character is going to be called the Gold Beetle. And so I don't know anything about that character. I don't know anything about um, what's going on, but I got that issue on order. So we will find out. Um, so yeah, that's what, so we got the, the, the Generations issues and the Forged, or um, Flash 769. It says, here we have the solicitation for April, April Flash 769, Wally West Adventures with Gold Beetle. So we will see how that goes. Um, and, and I've seen some rumors online popping up about um, a, hope, a possible Blue Beetle Booster Gold comic. I think because of... Um, I'm not sure where that speculation comes from. I think something spinning out of the Infinite Frontier stuff that's coming out. I'm not sure. I, one can only hope, right? Um, I'm, I mean, Booster... I, I keep bringing it up, but Booster keeps popping up over places. Um and, and again, mostly it's Dan Jurgens championing his character, but it's also, um, you know, Tom King has been, you know, with um, everything Heroes in Crisis, and then we got, um, so Booster's still staying, I mean, there's always usually in a given year, you know, half dozen at least uh, Booster appearances of significance, I'm not talking a panel here or there, um, no offense, because I love Boosterific.com. But the problem, one of the problems with um, trying to like, I try to, I'm, I'm trying to amass a, you know, I'm trying to fill in my holes of Booster Gold issues that I need, and that boosterific com is too good of a site. It's, it's, um, if you know, if I can say such a thing, because it lists everything. It lists if he's in one panel, uh, and when it comes to DC Comics, when there's you know a bunch of heroes get together, I don't care if Booster's in like one panel. I want it to be a significant. Um, a, a, a significant uh, role. And I, I know that Boosterific, and I even emailed him to help get the categorization, but like, I know that Boosterific, you know, lists things by, you know, he plays a featured role or a supporting role or just, or a cameo. But I've also found on Boosterific's site that the supporting role sometimes really is a glorified cameo sometimes. And so it's tough. Um, so I'm not counting any time Booster shows up, but he he makes, you know, it's he's fairly consistent in making, a, you know, a good half dozen or so 
issues throughout a given year usually. So, I mean, we, we still have stuff, but it's trickle it's trickling out too slowly. Let's get that volume three. Come on, come on. I mean, this is, you know, with, with, with the giant numbers of this podcast, I mean, DC's got to be aware of it. I know that they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't, I don't believe that for a moment, but you know, it's my little, my little neck of the woods to talk about my two favorites, Superman and Booster Gold, you know, if I can take from Bibbo, my, you know, my, my, my favorites. Um, so with that, I will let you go. So I will see you guys next time. Oh, I also wanted to mention, if you enjoy what I do here and you want to hear me actually talking to somebody else, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what a novelty <laughs> listening to me talk to somebody else. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on this show and if I have, I'm going to repeat myself, but my wife and I do a monthly podcast called Talkin' Geek where we just talk about geeky stuff. You know, I believe last month we talked about, you know, pop culture stuff from 2020. We did a 2020 sort of year in review. And before that, we talked about pinball and we talk about just geeky stuff. We just get together, my wife and I, and we sit down and we're going to talk like we're going to later tonight, we're recording an episode on the Mandalorian. Um, so if you want to hear me talk to my wife, Heidi, check out Talking Geek, no G at the end of talking and um the link to the rss is in the show notes for this show so check it out if you like what i do and want to hear me talk to somebody else who's incredibly awesome my lovely wife uh heidi so i will talk to you guys when i talk to you guys So you're still listening. So if you made it all the way to this part of the show, all the way to the very, very end, I wanted to remind you because I forgot to mention it at the end of the show. And I'm I do minimal editing um, of this show, so I'm not going to go back and edit something in. I'm just going to throw it. I'm just going to record it at the end. Um, email into the show. I would love feedback. Any as I, I I love hearing what people think about the show. So e- email me at bluegoldpodcast at gmail.com. All right, bye guys.